We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What up, what up, what up? Welcome into another edition of Green with Envy. As always, this is your boy Will Weir checking in. How you doing? How you living? The season is almost here. We are just a few days away from the very first regular season game of the year. Basketball is back. And to help us get set for this upcoming season, you know who we're bringing in here. It's my best friend, co-host, and the coach of our podcast, the one and only Greg Manakis. What's up, man? I'm living the high life today. Woo, Today's episode right. sponsored by Miller High Life, the champagne of beers. Shout out to you guys. Interesting. Uh, so first of all, I like the the Sunday fun day move. I had a little bit too much fun Saturday yeah, night. Yeah, so I heard I'm you're being a little not, tender uh, today, bro. <laughs> definitely a little, little tender for your boy today. Yeah, got the, the day started off as like a very casual um, birthday party for uh, a, a friend of mine. It's actually going to be uh, the efficient at my, my wedding now coming up, which is still interesting to say that. Um, but uh, yeah, we had a little birthday party and before I knew it. Um, we were at a brewery that is there's a new Austin Beer Works for those that maybe have been to Austin or have, have drank Austin Beer Works beer. I think it's I think it's ever. I think you can find it wherever. But um, they opened up a new brewery like two miles away from my house. Nice. So next thing I knew, um, yeah, we were back in my house and you know some extra beers. And I tried to switch over. I didn't want to feel too bloated, so I decided to switch to to mezcal slash tequila. Just like little. You know, little little uh, little shot glasses sipping on it, not obviously like ripping them back. Yeah. Uh, but the night went way longer than uh than I anticipated. So yeah, been a been a little tender today. But uh, but I see that you're you're on the wagon today in Miller High Life. Interesting choice here. Tell tell us tell us what's behind that choice. That's just Danielle's favorite beer. So really, yeah. She she's like whenever That's she goes hilarious. out. Yeah, whenever she goes out and she gets her cravings, like she comes back. It's always hot Cheetos, ice okay. cream, Miller High Life, and like chips and dip. So. Uh, yesterday I mean, she came back with all of those things. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was actually a really good dip was the, um, Tostitos like avocado salsa. Okay. Know if you never had it, I would de- definitely going to bring it to the next get together. That's for sure. Ooh, we're gonna have to have a taste off. Ne- next, I know... time we, next time we, uh, we hit the links, man. Cause we've been playing yeah, a lot yeah, more bring, golf together. Bring it out there because I know, uh, you bring that in my house. I know Lorraine is going to, going to whip up her own avocado salsa yeah, and we'll yeah, have yeah. to, we'll have to figure out, uh, where it goes down. But that order that Danielle has, it's hilarious. Number one, it sounds like what I would be doing when I used to go to little peach back in the day. Like when I, when, like when <laughs> you would be like, 
Yeah, it's like let's go get a snack. That that would be very similar to a uh, probably like a 16, 17 year old Will Weir, maybe a little high, maybe not a little high, going to get some snacks from Little Peach. That that sounds like the order. Listen, you're on the Little Peach, uh, which is now Tedeschi's, probably still yeah. Tedeschi's at this point. Um, you're on their Wall of Fame, unlike that liquor store that you're on the Wall of Shame, <laughs> where your fake ID still hangs to this day. That's right. Uh, <laughs> is it Harbor Point Liquors? Is that what the one over on uh, Otto Boulevard next to I Staples? I want to say it's Alexander's. It's Alexander's. Harbor Point Liquors was our guy Ted's. That's yeah. that's the the family one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you're right. You're right. It's exactly what it is. Yeah. But yeah so anybody go. anybody that's listening that's ever in the Dorchester area, if you ever want a piece of um, well, let green, us know if it's there. Yeah, green I, I would love to know history. Go look to the wall of shame of all the fake IDs that got confiscated by uh, by the store clerks over the years, and see if you can find one Will Weir uh, with a little <laughs> bit more hair and a chin strap goatee. Yeah, if if you find that on the wall and you send us a picture, I I don't know what the reward will be, but I will I will personally send you some type of reward. I don't know if it's a Celtic shirt or something. If you go out and find it, this is a scavenger hunt <laughs> challenge. If you go out, find it, take a picture, I will I will get you something. And if you somehow get them to give it to you, I will meet up with you personally next time I am home, and I will I'll take you to a Celtic game. No, How no, I mean, I, I, that, that, I mean, shout out to you. I was going to say buy him a 30 and Natty or something. <laughs> that's probably, that's probably, how about a High Life? We're sponsored yeah. by Miller High Life today, go. so we'll buy there you a 30 go. and Miller High Life. There we go. That makes a lot more sense, but uh, Greg, basketball's almost back Let's here. Let's go. I, I, I can't wait. We've got an exciting guest planned for this upcoming week. Uh, we've got a few guests that are potentially coming up here that I'm really excited about, and uh, it's just going to be really fun that as soon as the season gets going, it. It, the, the beats are going to keep coming one after the other, right? It's just, mm. it's just going to be rolling. And before you know it, we're going to be sitting here at the quarter mark of the season. Like, how do we get here? So it, it's, it's gearing up, it's ramping up. Let's do. So what we're going to do today, just to give you guys kind of the layout here, we're going to do a reality ceiling and X factor skill check in as our preview throughout the entire Celtics roster. So we're going to go player by player. We're going to give you the realistic expectations what their ceiling is, and then what their X factor is going to be for this upcoming season. You ready to do this, Greg? Yeah, I think I'm ready. But before before we do that, I just want to really quickly give you some props. And I want to touch on the big will versus big was uh, debate that's still brewing out there. <laughs> so you did a great job after the last uh, preseason game where you went on the defense of Jason Tatum after Big Waz's ridiculous comments that he made. Big Waz, sometimes I think Big Waz just gets like so excited on the take that he he's like in the middle of a take and he's like, I'm mm-hmm. just gonna commit all in to this take. Yeah. I don't even and think I actually like I, I like his coverage. I think he's he, I think he's interesting, but I do agree with you that I feel like and I can't blame him because we are we there's probably times where we might even be guilty of it because when you're in this performative space, there is some times where you're like, oh, this is working. I feel this. Even if I don't believe it, I feel that it's working. Mm-hmm. And then you just commit and go all in. Yeah. But I thought you did a really good job um doing those uh, one person podcast is very tough, but after, you know, having a few days to kind of let all the research that you did on Jason Tatum marinate, how are you feeling now? Three days after your solo pod, where you went on the defense of Jason Tatum, have, have your thoughts stayed the same? Have they changed? Have they, um, cemented even further? Where are you right now? Yeah. I mean, they're basically the same as, as they were from that podcast. I mean, I think 
for me, like actually being able to look at it, like there is some merit to to what was said. Like Jason Tatum's points per game, which this should not happen to superstars, they do go down. Like they like he averaged 26 points per game or so over the last four postseasons. He's a 30 point per game score. So the the shooting percentage goes down. We saw that obviously. I think last year he shot about 32 percent from from three point range throughout the playoffs. Like it, it's not completely unmerited some of the things that that was was saying, but. My point overall being just I, I don't understand. And, and like I said, this was something even before Waz went on his, you know, diatribe on, on his show that I had thought about, like, why does every time Jason Tatum's name get brought up, it's kind of brushed past like, eh, Tatum. Yeah, he's good. But is he that good? It's, mm-hmm. That's kind of the sentiment I always get. And it, it feels like for a guy like Devin Booker, who I do think, by the way, I think Jason Tatum, and Devin Booker, I love the idea of that conversation of who's better because i do think you i think you could go with devin booker i'm going with jason tatum i think it's i think for me it's i don't want to say it's easy but it's you know it's it's, to me it's not the toughest call but i do think like there there are people out there that can tell you devin booker and they can probably make a decent case for it but i do think like just using the way that devin booker's name is brought up it's like he's a you know kind of like he's that killer Mm -hmm. in that it's like because he's more of an asshole devin booker's a little bit of an asshole that's what i'm saying it's it's a little (laughs) bit of the way of the of jason tatum's personality and so when he has these massive fu games they don't stick the same way that a devin booker like you know the way that he like snarls or like or whatever or may have like a face that he makes after he hits a big shot that's just not tatum that's the same thing with jimmy butler you and Mm -hmm. i were talking about when we were playing golf the other day like their stat like jimmy butler is the one in that grouping of his peers that has the most similar stats. But obviously, Jimmy Butler is not a – stats don't define Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. We all know this. Yeah. But the way that he plays, it kind of makes up for the fact that, you know, I, I really liked going back. I think I said it was games two through four in the Eastern Conference Finals. It was games three through five, I believe. But that he had 20 points over three games on 10 or 40 shooting, a six-point game, an eight-point game. Like, just, like, outrageous stuff that that would yeah. never be let go of, right? But oh for God. Jason Tatum, it's like – yeah, he had a, he had a couple cold nights, yes, but he also dropped fifty one in a game seven. He dropped sixty five points in five quarters facing elimination. And to me, I just don't think those points are emphasized as much as the lowlights are. Right. So I have a couple thoughts on this. The first being that Jason Tatum's bad games are very loud, and you can yeah. see it, and you can see it in his body language. And I think his body language is a little bit louder than somebody like Devin Booker's when. Booker's not having a good game. He doesn't slump his shoulders. He doesn't complain to the referees. He doesn't not get back on defense. Mm-hmm. And those are the things that over the years, I think Tatum has done a better job at getting rid of um, out of his game, the on-court antics that are just a little bit annoying, honestly, to, to watch when you're just like, man, Tatum, like you don't have to do that. You don't have to complain to the refs after every yeah. whistle. You don't, And he, he's done a much better job. But early in his career, that was a big issue. And it wasn't the most pleasant thing to watch on his bad nights, right? Where it seemed like, you know, when they would go to the replays and they would show Tatum complaining to the referee and it's like, ah, oh, bro, I didn't see a foul either. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're clearly just complaining. Um, so I think that level, um, the the antics that go along with Jason Tatum's bad games, I think don't sit well with like the, the casual, uh, the, the diehard NBA fan, but someone who's not tuning into every Celtics game, right? So right. They, when, Jay, when Tatum has a bad game on on a national um, broadcast, then they're like, oh, man, like, is this what the Celtics fans have to deal with all the time? It's like, no, this happens very rarely, and it is a little bit annoying when it does happen because it's like 
why can't Tatum, why can't his bad games be 20 points, 12 rebounds, seven assists, you know, on five, five for 17. Like that was one of the things I looked at with Jokic was the only kind of bad series I could find for him. He was like 21, 11 and five or something. So he was like slightly down from all of his insane numbers. And so I I think the point that you're making that that was part of, of what I was trying to get as well is that the Celtics are just in the playoffs and on TV from this national spotlight more than almost anyone else. Yeah, yeah. So that's also part of it is that when you're tuning in and like you said, you're not locked in always game to game the way that we are. And this is kind of a Celtic problem as well, too, because when the Celtics are bad, it's loud. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's very, you know, everyone that tunes in for four Celtics games and two of them are bad. They're just like, man, that was really rough. You guys couldn't get a shot off for five minutes down the stretch after you had a 10 point lead. And I'm like, yeah, that happens every once in a while. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's, it's not great, but like, you know, obviously, but then we're back in the conference finals again. So I do think that's, and Jalen Brown fits into this category a little bit too, right? I think. When you know the, the criticisms of Jalen Brown come up, it's because it's very obvious things like, oh, he has trouble dribbling with his left. Mm-hmm. Oh, he fell asleep on defense and someone had a back. It's just things that will jump out to you if you're if you're not like noticing the intricacies night to night, but you tune in, like you're saying, every once in a while, those are gonna be very obvious things that anyone can look at and then jump to and say, Well, this is why the Celtics are this is why, you know, Tatum's not that dude or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. Yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, I just wanted to kind of talk about that before we get into the Celtics uh, preview pod here. Well, let's take a break. Let's, yeah, let's take yeah, a break a here break. and then we'll uh, and then we'll jump into our into our uh, preview here. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, and we are back here, Greg. So let's do this here. Let's set this up one more time before we jump in. We're going to go player by player throughout the Celtics roster as of Sunday, October 22nd here as we're recording. We're going to go player by player. We're going to give you a reality check on their expectations for the upcoming season. We're going to give you their ceiling of what the basically the best case scenario can be. And then, Greg, I want you to, I want, I want to just make sure that we're on the same page with this last one here. X-Factor skill is what we have on our on our sheet that we're using. Are you defining that as this is their X-Factor for making a difference or just like, I'll, I'll use an example, just like Sam Hauser. His, mm-hmm. his X-Factor is, his, it's probably his shooting, but is that is that kind of what, what we're yeah, going for? Yeah, I, I kind of left that open-ended so that if you had a different Love X-Factor than, than I did, that's kind of, that's fine. Like with Hauser, I'm, I think what I have marked down is his defense is his X-Factor because okay. if, he, if he gets completely exploited, the shooting doesn't matter. You know what I mean? So, exactly. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, let's jump into it here, and we're gonna, we're going to go alphabetical order uh, th- down the roster here. So let's go ahead. We'll if you're watching on YouTube here, you'll see us kind of go through here um, as we hit each individual player. So let's start at the top here. We've got Delano Banton. Greg, I'm, I'm gonna let you start here because this was kind of the this was the player that we used to to preview in, in our own chat of like what we're going to do today. So. Lead us off here. Delano Ben, what's the reality? So the reality is that he might not even play 30 games this year, right? There's like a still, the, I don't know if the Celtics have announced, they haven't announced their roster yet, right? They haven't made all Well, the that's fun. why I said as of today. Yeah, as, as, like there's still yeah. a chance that he might not make the roster, which is crazy because he's played well um, in, in the preseason. Um, he's got a ton of promise, but the likelihood is that he's just a project that's only getting minutes in uh, garbage time or if there are injuries, right? Uh, the ceiling with Delano Banton is that his defense, right, which is his mm-hmm. X-factor skill for him. to right. earn they, minutes These like, go hand in hand. Yeah, for him. It's it's all about his defense. If he proves to Missoula that he is a real problem on the defensive end with the curveballs that Missoula wants to go to, right? So if he, if he shows that he can be a problem at the top of that zone that the Celtics have been running a little bit, or mm-hmm. maybe they go to that 2-2-1 press and he's causing problems on the second level of the defense with Pritchard and Holiday or White on the first level, you know, that he's, he's wreaking havoc on the defensive end and Missoula realizes is he's like you know what we need that level of chaos off the bench as a as a possibility um that's his ceiling is that missoula whenever he you know it's it's like when the the red sox used to have to throw out tim wakefield even when wakefield was kind of past his prime r.i.p mm-hmm. to our guy they were they would just throw him out there because sometimes you just need a knuckleball to throw out there yeah. maybe delano banton's defense could be that yeah, and I think you know, looking at, I think I think you nailed kind of the the three categories that we're looking at here. But I think for that X factor skill, it's not even really a skill, just his length, right? Mm-hmm. I think, yeah. and it goes yeah. hand in hand with his defense. And it's just if the Celtics want to throw out, like you said, in that you know we're gonna keep saying we're gonna use the curveball a lot this year because Masula threw it out there, and it's just gonna keep coming up. But you know, you can get really weird with a guy who's six seven and is technically your point guard mm-hmm. that you're throwing out there, and you just want to say, hey, let's just go and and make our team massive for a yeah. minute or two here. So let's see what happens when we get, you know, Delano Banton, Jason Tatum, maybe Porzingis, Horford, and, you know, maybe Drew Holiday or Derek White or something out there. And you're just like, we just want to be really, really big and have a physically imposing presence on whatever team that we're playing. That's where I think Delano Banton can can really make a fat or could really be a difference potentially, you know, <laughs> if he's on this team here in a couple days. So with that, let's let's go to the next guy that we have on the list here. And we're going to go to Adam's favorite player. So Adam, I, I know you would have some glowing reviews. <laughs> here to jump in with but let's go to O'Shea Brissett and I'll I'll, I'll start this one off for us okay. here I, I think the reality for O'Shea Brissett is that he, he's your ninth to tenth guy mm-hmm. I, I do think as of right now I'm kind of projecting I don't know if he's going to play every game but I think he's going to play close to every game a few minutes I don't and I think there's going to be a handful okay. of times when you know obviously you know if guys are out then he'll be one of those first people that might get bumped up from five to ten minutes a game to playing 15 20 or so minutes I think the ceiling for O'Shea Brissett is is actually probably what I'm describing. So actually, I should probably mm. flip this a little bit. Reality is that he's probably going to be a guy that plays two to three times a week. The ceiling is he's in he's a guy that plays every single night. Okay. And his X factor skill is what's going to allow that to happen, which to me is going to be his energy and athleticism. We talked about you know, or I think it was you and Adam uh, last. We talked about he's a little bit. Aaron Neesmithy in the fact that he's a little bit chaotic. Yeah, and so I, I think he's another one of those just 
you know, is it is it going to be chaotic for good or bad? This is, I think, the biggest question, right? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes having that element where, oh, shit, that guy, where, where did he come from that just dunked on this guy's head off an offensive rebound? That's great to have. But the guy who's going to run out there and in five minutes get three fouls, play reckless, and, and miss open jump shots, that's not the the chaotic that, that you want to have in there that you're putting in your rotation. So I, I think for him, his energy and athleticism is is what's going to be his X factor. And then where that chaos pendulum swings, that will determine ultimately what his ceiling is. Yeah, to me, he's like the Luis Mendoza of these Celtics, right? He's He's got the, all the speed in the world, but he's got no breaks. He's yet yeah. to weaponize that speed and athleticism because to me, his X-factor skill is the finishing that we've talked about. He can get to the rim pretty much at will, but for whatever reason, he has a really hard time finishing, especially when he gets to his left hand. The left hand just doesn't look great right now. Um, Mm -hmm. I would love to see him go up with a little bit more authority and try and dunk on people. But for me, the ceiling for Brissett is that he makes Celtics fans forget about Grant Williams. We forget about Aaron Neesmith. We forget about Javante Green, right? And now O'Shea Brissett is is that guy off the bench, right? That changes games with his skills. Um, you know, the skill set being that athleticism that you talked about, the energy that you talked about, and someone that Missoula can just look at as a known commodity, right? Because right mm-hmm. now, I feel like you don't know exactly what the speed and athleticism is going to translate to on the court. Right at, at at any point, we know that we can put him on the court, and he's going to try really hard and be athletic. But how is that athleticism going to translate into productivity on the court? I think is going to be the biggest thing with Brissett. So I think finding a way to weaponize, and that's probably a word I'll use a few times on this podcast. Um, yeah. Finding a way to weaponize Brissett, um, especially same with Banton. Maybe it's in in his own defense, or maybe it's like um, a switch everything lineup. Are you expecting Brissett come? You know, and like I said, maybe not just specifically on Wednesday night against the Knicks, but generally game to game, are you expecting to see an O'Shea Brissett siding in most games? Or I know when I said that you kind of reacted. That's why I wanted to to jump back on. I really don't know, man. I'm not really sure which way Missoula is leaning right now. I don't think he's also kind of enjoying fucking with the media, by the way, which has been a very interesting (laughs) part of Joe Missoula this preseason. I don't know if you heard his comment about the, the starting lineups that that was making the rounds. Uh, I forget if it was, it was, I forget if it was uh, maybe Jay King or Jared Weiss asked him, uh, about the starting lineup again. And he's like, well, I'm going to run so many of them out there over the first 20, 30 games that you guys are going to stop asking me. <laughs> and so, I, I, like I said, I think there's part of Joe Missoula that just is is being a little coy, a little mysterious, but also mm-hmm. a little bit more playful, trying to be a human being. So it, it's going to be interesting to see what he does. And it, like you said, it's making it really hard to get a read as to who is going to be that bat, those back-end guys that are going to get some minutes here to start the season. If it were me, I'd go Lamar Stevens um, at this point. I, I just we'll, we'll get to Stevens later in the yeah. podcast, but he's the guy that I would expect to um, to earn those minutes. You know, he started games for the Cavs last year, and the Cavs are a really good team. And um, Brissett was a bench player all year for the Pacers. So, yeah, that makes sense. All right, let's uh, let's go to the next guy we got in the list here, and this is a fun one. Let's go to Jalen Brown. You want to handle this one, Greg? Sure. So the reality with Jalen Brown. Right, We all know he's an all-star level player who has shown flashes of elite defense, but as uh, I think you mentioned earlier, Will, he often loses focus on that end. He's an elite transition player and play finisher, as our guy Adam always likes to say, but he does have that nearly one-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio throughout his career. So the reality is that he could be an all-NBA guy again. 
but the likelihood is that he's somewhere between the 20th and 35th best player in the NBA, depending on how, how good his upcoming season is versus the rest of the league and that's living in that same space, right? The, the ceiling for Jalen Brown is a very high ceiling, which is great for Celtics fans to think about. He could be an all-NBA third-teamer, um, an all-NBA defender, which is something that he has expressed interest in, in earning you know, recognition for this year, um, who uses the increased talent around him to really simplify the game. Make quick reads, make the extra pass as we saw so far in the preseason, and recommit to spot up shooting mechanics. This is something that I mentioned at the end of the season last year, Will, where I was like, I don't like mm-hmm. how JB's shot looks. It looked messed up. It was broken by the end of the season last year. And you could tell the free throw line was a disaster. It, absolute disaster. He was bricking shots off the backboard. It didn't look like he knew where, where his base was on his shot, his release point on his shot. It was just an absolute mess at the end of the season with the shooting mechanics. Um, so, Hopefully this year he's driving those closeouts. The 45 cuts uh, that we talked about um, with with um, Brissett, you know, I think Brown could be really good off those 45 cuts as well. Getting to the line a little bit more and continuing to improve from the line. You know, close to 80% last year. Every year that free throw percentage has continued to go up. And for me, his X-factor skill is reading the floor keeping the game simple, not trying to force things, not predetermining anything, just saying, all right, this is what the defense is giving me. And I know because I've drilled it so many times that this is the right play in the right moment and not try and do too much. Because when Jalen Brown gets tunnel vision, when he when he tries to force things and the whole defense is set and he's like, you know what, I'm feeling it right now. So I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to try out my left hand right now because I'm feeling it and I think I can get there. It's like, no, man, there's three people watching you and there's people <laughs> open right now. So just move the ball, keep the game simple. I think if Jalen Brown commits to that and has the mentality on both ends of the court he could he could be a top 15 guy versus a top 20 to 35 guy yeah that's i mean that's a wide range there from 15 to to 35 but you know it's i mean i I can't i can't say you're wrong because that we've seen jalen brown we know a lot of jalen brown but the good thing about what we know about jalen brown is that he continually pushes through whatever ceiling we as fans and media put on him. He has continued to to always kind of push through that and show us, oh, Jalen Brown can do this now. We didn't see that coming. So he's done that throughout his entire career. But obviously, at a certain point, you might run out of that, be able to, to keep pushing through that. So this will be a big season for that. I, I'm with you in that. You know, Jalen Brown, I think him getting back to a repeat All-NBA, it's, it's going to be really tough. Uh, but I think that's kind of the area that he lives in, which makes sense for, you know, when you said he's somewhere between like 15 and 30, basically, right? Mm-hmm. So I think every year that we go into a season, Jalen Brown, part of Jalen Brown's, you know, maybe not goal for him, but goal for for us as fans watching, is that he should be hovering somewhere around that third team all NBA conversation, right? That's yeah. a that's a really good season. If he's if he's somewhere in the mix for that or lands on that on that third team. And then, you know, like I said, the ceiling, we saw it. Second team all NBA. It, it's already happened. So we know that he can theoretically get there, can potentially get back there. And then that X factor for a second, I thought you were just gonna say his left hand. I mean it's <laughs> it's part of it's part of what you were saying. But I was I was thinking about this earlier, and you know I, I think for Jalen Brown the biggest thing for me that would be a, a massive success this season for Jalen Brown is I think he, he's going to get twenty five around twenty five points per game or more. I'm I'm, I'm basically just booking that in. Maybe mm-hmm. it, I think he was around twenty seven last year. We'll see more miles if he maybe it goes down slightly to twenty five. But I think that's kind of like the bottom of like where he's going to be points per game wise. For me, it's just as you talked about 
can we get that assist to turnover ratio just in check, just a little more? Right yeah. now, you can see it's about one to one. It's about three to three, roughly, is kind of what you're looking at per game. Can that get closer to four to two? Like that's that's it. Because I don't I don't think he's ever going to be that guy that's twenty seven, eight, and five assists. I don't think that's going to be Jalen Brown. But I, can he get to that? You know, four four assists and only two turnovers. And and I think it's going to be really interesting to see where where he picks his spots because, like you said, you know. Sometimes when he gets those blinders on is when he gets in trouble. Mm-hmm. That's when his his whether he's reading the defense or just making you know the wrong read, you know that's when it can be in trouble. And now that there is more guys out there that that need to eat a little bit more, you got to kind of hope that he's not going to feel like all right, I haven't had a chance to cook in a while. Now let me you know mm-hmm. try to do my thing and run into three defenders. So well, that's a that great thing about be, JB. You know, is that he always starts games so hot that I think if if he can just come out like a flamethrower like he always does and scored mm-hmm. nine to ten points in the first quarter that you know that's going to get the Celtics off to a good start and then he can just play defense the rest of the game you know and get buckets in transition and then he'll be right good. And get- it, it relieves that tension of like oh I haven't got the ball I haven't gotten mine yeah. in a little bit when when he eats first and then it kind of trickles down from there for sure and I, I would say the the bottom of where I expect Jalen Brown's points per game this year to be actually more like a little bit more significant than that I, I could see it being around like 21 points per game Oh, I, uh, that's a, I mean, that's a six, basically a six point drop. You think it would go down that just because of the Porzingis holiday? Yeah, factor? Porzingis holiday and he's got his money. You know, he, he had to put up those numbers to earn that contract. Um, mm-hmm. I think keeping the game simple will mean that Jalen isn't, you know, hunting shots. And I think when he hunts shots, that's when he gets in trouble. And if, if, yeah. if he goes down to 21 points per game, but the assists go up by three assists or two assists, three assists per game, he's still affecting the game with those, with those points uh, generated. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm hoping out of Jalen Brown, but um, you, I, I pr- maybe it's going to live somewhere in between like 23 points per game. Yeah, could totally see that. But it'd be a fun year for gonna be a big year for Jalen Brown. You know, I'm, we're gonna talk about this a lot. I think there's a two year window, and he's a very big part of that two year window. So definitely, we'll uh, we'll come back to that. Let's go to let's do one more guy before we take a break here, and then we'll come back and do the rest of the team. Let's go to Sam Hauser, and this is who we kind of started this with. So his reality, his ceiling, his X factor, reality for me. I think he's in the rotation. I think he's a solidified rotation guy. He is, if I'm looking at the the Celtics roster here, I think there's eight guys that I expect to see every night. Sam House is that eighth guy. Mm-hmm. He's the guy that I expect to be in there, you know, every single night until he's not, at least to start the season. And, you know, the ceiling for him is, you know, can he keep that up all year? I, I think right now, heading into the season, he's part of that eight man. And I think the goal for him throughout the season is how do I not get removed from that eight. So there's not a question of maybe it's Hauser tonight. Maybe it's fee. Maybe it's percent, mm-hmm. whoever it might be. It's how does he hold on to that spot? And a lot of that's going to be with, with his shooting. And I think you already mentioned it when we were kind of setting this up, that X factor is his defense, right? Can he hold up defensively? Uh, we know the shot. We know the shot for the most part will be there. There was a, a part last year where it got a little bit streaky at times, but for the most part, I think just if he knows that he's going to be in there game to game, I have enough confidence in that shot that I think it will hold up. But it's going to be defensively. Is he going to be okay to be on an island, especially if there's going to be games where you know maybe we're missing a uh, Porzingis or a Horford to protect the rim? Like you're going to need to be able to stand up on the perimeter and be able to you know stop the offensive player from getting into the lane. So I think for Sam Hauser, that's going to be the biggest determining factor. Yeah, I I think that's spot on. I would, you know, add on with the reality is, are we overrating 
Sam Hauser as as Celtics fans, people that watch him every night, and we see the promise of of on the defensive end. You can't hunt Hauser, right? You can try, mm-hmm. but you can't hunt Hauser. Um, the three point shot that we've seen that's been a little bit streaky, as you said, the playmaking that he's flashed in the, in in the preseason. Like, is this just us watching him? And we're like, oh, but we can dream on this guy because he does have these moments. Or is he really in the class of a Max Struess, of a Duncan Robinson, of a yeah. Doug, Dougie McBuckets, like all these guys out there um, that that can shoot? You know, if we want to go cross racial, is he like a Malik Beasley? Is he a Buddy Heald? <laughs> like, there's all these other shooters out there that exist that I think some Celtics fans have convinced ourselves that he could be this thing. The reality is he he might not be a real NBA rotation guy, you know, and, that, and that, that's a possibility. The ceiling for Hauser, in my opinion, is that come uh, NBA All-Star weekend, he's in that three-point contest, and there's no question. And he's a favorite to win that because of the of the season that he's had up until this point. And to, and to you know, kind of piggyback on what you said, there's no way that Missoula can keep him out of the rotation because he has been yep. weaponized. Um, but what did you call him last year? Uh, shotgun Sam. Shotgun Sam. You know, if if, if he's letting Back the shot fly, then let, let's go. Like Hauser could be a huge um, impact player off the bench, but I still think there's a possibility that you know, come mid season, he's not even in, in the rotation. Yeah, and it's funny when you were talking about how are we potentially because we watch him so closely night to night, overrating a guy like Sam Hauser, and it's almost the inverse of the big Waz problem that we were talking about at the beginning when sometimes in you know people will tune in and just catch the Celtics in certain moments, which could be moments of weakness. With a guy like Hauser, it's the opposite. It's guys like us who are watching are they're like, dude, you haven't heard about Sam Hauser? Yeah. What do you mean? This guy's amazing. I'm like, I don't know, man. It's Sam Hauser. He's like your ninth guy that that shoots the ball pretty well. Yeah, like, my, bro- my brother doesn't believe in Hauser. My, Interesting. Charles, do you know what his reasoning is? He just doesn't think he's good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, so that's the thing, right? When you watch a guy like this, who's who's going to be teetering on the back end of your rotation, you're going to have differing opinions on him. And so I, I think ultimately, like we said, for Sam to to have his best season, he's fully established, and it's known that yes, this is a guy that's in your rotation, and you're heading into the playoffs, and you're going to see him out there. So that will be hopefully what we get from shotgun Sam this season. Uh, let's take a quick break here, Greg, and then we'll come back and we'll, we'll finish up the rest of the roster. All right, Greg, let's, let's go on to, uh, to one of the new additions to the Celtics here. Let's go to drew holiday. And I, I want you to do this one here. Cause I, I know drew holiday is your boy. So I, I want to hear what you got. <laughs> the best point of attack defender in basketball. Uh, you know, reality, he was playing above his head with, with the Bucks on the offensive side of the ball. He was never supposed to be a number two on a championship team. That was not what Drew Holiday was born to do. Drew Holiday was born to be a beast on the defensive end of the court. And with the Celtics, he's able to be unleashed in that way, right? The reality, in, in our opinion, is that he's a much better player than Marcus Smart. And I think that he's going to willingly accept a lesser role on on the offensive end which is what a lot of the push and pull with marcus was like in moments where it's like marcus you you're not the guy right now like it's not you it's not the time for marcus smart to do these things on the offensive side of the ball i think drew holiday is going to be able to come into this situation and just pick his spots on the offensive side of the ball not worry about it and just be happy that after being overtaxed in milwaukee he can come into boston and just play his role that he was born to do and that's to be, you know, potentially second time in three years the Celtics have, you know, defensive player of the year level guard on, on their roster. Um, 
So, you know, there's a chance, there's a chance that we all underrated Marcus and that they're actually a tad closer on the offensive Mm -hmm. end. There is that chance that's out there. I know our guy, uh, Jake from first to the floor is, is big on that. He thinks that they're actually a lot closer than Celtics fans think, but I I think there's a pretty sizable gap there. Um, the ceiling is that he makes everyone, including our guy, Jake at first to the floor, realize that smart was in fact, the poor man's version of holiday and very quickly. He's an all-star. He's an all-NBA defender who helps the Celtics out, uh, get out of their own way in crunch time. And for me, Will, the X-factor skill is ball handling. Um, I, I've, I've mentioned this before. It's been talked about. Drew Holiday has, the, has a knack for making a, a few boneheaded plays um, through, mm-hmm. through, throughout the season when he's given a little bit too much on the offensive side of the ball. But with, this, with the role that he's entrusted, can he be... Um, a very low turnover ball handler where he can't get pressured by a guy like Deuce McBride that we saw the other night that gave him some problems that like a Grimes that gave him some problems mm-hmm. like can Drew Holiday um, be efficient with the ball handling and make plays for everybody else and like really run a professional uh, pick and roll that Marcus was capable of but we didn't see enough out of him yeah so I, I think with Drew Holiday you know out of the, the, let's call it the big four, so to speak, for the Celtics, you know, we were talking about Jalen Brown's points per game earlier. This is the guy who I think, because you mentioned that he's going to be someone that feels like he's willing to sacrifice so he can just be unleashed defensively and take off some of that offensive burden. He's coming in, into uh, into the Celtics season. Last year, he averaged 19.7 points per game. He's the guy that I, I think more than Jalen Brown is going to see that five five point drop off where he's yeah. going to be closer to 14, 15 points per game, which I think is probably more suitable to, you know, to, to, to give him more balance in his game so that he can do the things that he really excels at and do them, you know, to the, to the top of his abilities. And so the only thing that I would add to, to what you said here is for that X factor skill, I think it's the offense overall. I think that's the one part when I look at the Celtics team in the off season, when we've gotten to look at them with everyone on the floor is it still feels like, Drew Holiday is the one where we're trying to figure out what is the the right spots to put him in, whether that's, you know, whether he's going to be a spot up shooter in some in some actions or if he's going to be handling the ball or if he's going to be screening. It it still feels like they're trying to get that feel for, oh, he likes to shoot from here. This is where he likes to to cut. Are we going to see him more in the post? We saw it a few times in the preseason. But I think for me, that's just the X factor is how do the Celtics, to use your word, weaponize him from an offensive standpoint? He doesn't have to do as much. Mm -hmm. He is capable, though. So you don't want to just waste him as, as, as a spacer. But you have to figure out kind of what that spot is, especially when if you look at the offensive hierarchy he's he's going to be fourth in that list but defensively he's your number one weapon that you have so you do want to make sure that you're utilizing that to its highest capacity for sure and drew like let's not get it twisted as celtics fans he's not dame lillard right he's not trey young he's not steph curry he's not one of those um like elite pick and roll players he's someone that his best skill, honestly, might be his post play and his left mm-hmm. hand around the rim. He's really good at getting to his left. He's great off the pivot in the post. Um, he's great with the fallaway jumper. And one thing that you'll see a lot out of Drew Holiday, it's one of my favorite things about him, he loves going through his legs. He'll go at the on, on the perimeter. He'll go through his legs and off of that through the legs dribble, he'll hop backwards into a three-point shot. Uh, you see this a little bit out of Jason Tatum. Tatum likes that, that, that shot. Um, but Holiday does it, and he does it, better than most guards in the NBA where he'll go hard dribble left to right through the legs, jump back, 
with his momentum going left and hitting the three. So I think you'll see that once a game out of Holiday and him mostly in the post and um, you know playing a little bit off a of pick and roll, but it's not going to be like the, the again to use the word weaponized. We're not weaponizing Holiday in the mm-hmm. pick and roll. It's just um, something that he's able to do efficiently. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's go. To, let's go to the next guy here in our list here. Old reliable Uncle Al. Al Horford's back again for another season. 37 years old for Al Horford. And that for me is where the reality starts, right? Is that he's 37. He's getting mm-hmm. up there yep. in age. And, you know, thus far, he's aged amazingly. I, I forget what podcast I listened to, but we were talking, they were talking about defensively centers that that hold up in the postseason. Al Horford's at the top of that list mm-hmm. of when you get to the postseason, guys that you want for their versatility, whether he's guarding Giannis or whether he's guarding Embiid or, you know, the, if he has to be on the perimeter, there's much worse options that you could have than Al Horford. And, if, and should we get to the finals, he's certainly not going to be a Nikola Jokic stopper. That doesn't exist. But this is maybe the guy or one of the top few guys that you would say, all right, let's 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 see what we can do against the Joker and we'll put Al Horford out there. So the reality is he's 37, but I mean, he's it, been a knockdown shooter for the last two seasons now, very large sample size. So he's going to be really important for the Celtics when it comes to spacing. And then with the ceiling, I, I think the ceiling for him is just can he maintain the same the same level yeah. of play, right? Yeah. Can he be at that same level? And they're going to rest him just like they did last year. I think he's going to get even more rest probably this year. If it's even a borderline call, they're going to say, listen, just take a night off. We know when we're going to need you to be at, at, at full steam, full go-ahead. So I, I think for him it's just being able to maintain. And then the X-factor skill, this is an interesting one because I feel like this could go potentially a, a couple different ways. One of it's just that the shooting has to remain. Right, mm-hmm. the shooting has to continue. To yeah, we be saw there. that plummet in the playoffs. Exactly. So th- that gives you a little bit of pause for concern. But we have seen, th- at least in the early returns in the preseason, that this team is going to get a lot of open lo- looks with all the other guys that are out there. So him being that fifth guy every time that he's on the floor, that is a pretty big luxury from what we've seen out of Al Horford. But so I, I think that's probably going to be the biggest X factor. But then it's also just once again, it comes back to being thirty-seven. What does that age look like? What does it look like for him on the defensive end? Does he lose and does he start to lose a little bit of athleticism? Does he start to lose a little bit of that lateral quickness? Because uh, that is what makes him such a strong weapon for this team on the defensive end when they get to the postseason and you have to match up with these unicorns. And well, we got a unicorn now, but <laughs> we still need Al Horford to do his thing against the opposing team unicorns. Yeah, that's actually what I had as his uh, X-Factor skill was his lateral quickness. Uh, <laughs> so, but yeah, I think you covered it with Horford. Uh, let's head on to our guy, Luke Cornett. Luke Cornett. Uh, reality with Luke. He probably shouldn't be playing meaningful basketball in the NBA. <laughs> that, that's the reality. Um, he is a solid drop defender, has an above-average IQ as a screen and roll threat. Um, so he's good at what he does uh, on the court. But, you know, if, if we have championship hopes, the reality is that Cornette's not going to be getting any minutes in the postseason. He's an 82-game player, right? Yeah. Um, ceiling, he actually proves that he does belong in the NBA, proves us wrong, right? He outplays Kata for those backup big minutes. Uh, he learns from Porzingis, who's one of the best drop coverage bigs in basketball, and becomes a real weapon as a third big who can give the Celtics 10 minutes a game of above average rim protection. Because Cornette's huge. He's like seven foot two, um, does a really good job um, just being big around the rim, using the rule of verticality. So I think having Porzingis on the court, who does a lot 
has a, very much the same skill set as Cornette on the defensive end is actually promising for Cornette as for someone to learn from. And then X factor skill, just to continue with that, it's his drop defense. If he can um, be above average to good to maybe even great on the defensive end and drop, then he's going to have a role in this team and it's going to be hard to keep him off the court for those limited minutes. Yeah. I don't know if we'll see it, but I was just thinking, I'd, I'd love to see a, some type of just gigantic zone defense where him and Porzingis are both out there <laughs> at some point just to have a seven, two and a seven, three guy. I mean, I just, I've never, I don't think we've ever really seen that been have those ty- that type of size on the court. You throw out maybe Tatum at six, eight, six, nine. And then you're, I mean, that's just, that's really, really big to think about, but you know, I, I think you hit the main points with Luke. I, I'm expecting right now, at least heading into the season, he's going to be the third guy on that center rotation. He's a little bit more solidified than what I was saying about O'Shea Brissett, that Luke, I do expect, even if Orford and Porzingis are are playing each night, I still expect Luke to get five to ten minutes just as part of being that 82-game guy throughout the regular season, right? And, and being able to load manage within a game, not just mm-hmm. necessarily the nights that Al Horford's out, but it's how do we take five to ten stressful minutes per night, which will add up throughout the course of the season, that we're not worried about how Chris Stapps Porzingis lands, that we're not worried that Al Horford has, I mean, at 37, we, we start with like guys like Kobe, they have one injury, and then that's that's the end of it, right? There's not really a coming back from it once something like that happens. So if you can keep those guys a little bit fresher, and that means you're giving Luke 10 15 minutes sometimes in games that that even you know both of those guys are available and he's able to hold up that's a massive win for Luke that's a massive win for the Celtics uh and that's ultimately going to be what you know is going to be the difference maker for him just getting playing time is can he hold up and then it's going to be like you said it's him versus Kata and we'll, we'll kind of see where that plays because we don't even know what, what Kata's final destination is going to be here yet so we'll get to him but I think for Luke uh I would expect him to be at least the beginning of the season he's the guy that's going to get those at bats and then we'll see we'll see if he can hold up okay this this one can be quick let's talk very yeah. quickly about speed do, do you want to copy and paste what we said about Sam Hauser and if it doesn't work <laughs> well, out I, I mean just well, what I said reality thing. is that he's Hauser insurance Right. So yeah, he yeah, is exactly. Hauser insurance. If Hauser doesn't play well, so he will get a chance. I think we can move on. All right. Yeah. That's uh, about it. <laughs> Por- Porzingis. Uh, do you want to do Porzingis? Yeah, I'll take a crack at it here. Okay. I mean, I mean, w- w- with Porzingis, it's all going to come down to health. So the reality is we need him to stay healthy. He's going to be you're you're this is and this is where I think the ceiling part actually comes into maybe the reality because I don't really know where it falls yet. Is he your second or third option on offense? Mm-hmm. I don't know because I know you said before uh, in one of our spicier takes in the preseason that you know by the end of the season is Chris Stapps Porzingis your second best player on the Boston Celtics? So I think that's potentially the ceiling. The reality is if he's healthy and available. This guy is probably he's he's the new ceiling raiser, right? We used mm-hmm. to say that with, about Rob Williams. Yep. That's now Chris Stapps Porzingis, and that roof has no limit to to where it can go to. Yep. From what we've seen on the offensive end, he is going to open up everything. If if Jalen Brown is going to cut down on those uh, on those turnovers and increases assists per game, it's going to be a lot of it directly correlated to what Chris Stapps Porzingis brings when he's out there. Whether that's opening up more driving lanes, whether that's you know. Uh, excuse me, Jalen Brown feeling like, like you said, make that one extra pass. It's going to be pretty easy to feel you're making the right pass if you have Chris Stapps Porzingis with a lightning quick release at 7-3 that can shoot over absolutely anyone. Yep. So the reality is, is that Chris Stapps Porzingis has the potential to be the second best offensive player for the Celtics and that his health is going to dictate a lot of where this team goes. Ceiling, 
he might be back in the all-star game. I think that's kind of the ceiling that I'm looking at for Chris Porzingis. He's back in the all-star game. He falls into that Jalen Brown fringe third team, all NBA conversation. I, I think that's the ceiling. He plays 65 games and he hits those two markers. That's kind of the ceiling that I'm looking at for Chris Dabbs. and X factor skill. It's going to be probably a little bit. You mentioned before he's one of the best drop defenders in the league. I think at times, even we've seen a guy like Tyrese Maxey can even even a guy who's great at it can get exposed by someone who has that specific skill set. So I think when you look at playing Tyrese Maxey, when you look at whatever the hell the Bucks are going to look like when we get to see Dame and Giannis, those are going to be some interesting matchups that are going to be a little bit scary. So I think it's how does he hold up against those uh, elite guards? It's going to be for mm. me the X factor with Chris Porzingis. Okay, yeah, for me, I went a little bit more, uh, nerded out a little bit more on the on the X-Factor skill. I went with his um, pick, a short roll decision-making. Uh, this is something that Adam and I have promised to talk about a little bit. Well, w- when we get a little bit more game film on it, um, but in the, we, we will, but in the preseason, I saw flashes of Porzingis looking really good in the short roll, and there was one game, I think it was the second game he played, where people were stunting hard off the corner into his short roll space, and because he's so big, he looked a little clumsy, um, got the ball stripped a couple times from him, so just, that's something I I don't know how good he is in the short roll yet. I I haven't watched all Chris Tapps Porzingis in the short roll tape throughout his career, so I'm going to be learning as I watch him this year how good he actually is with that skill. I think part of it is going to be just the the how deep the short roll is. So like is he rolling into the paint or is he stopping just above the the foul line? Cuz I think if he gives himself a little bit more space and if we can space that out for him just to roll you know short roll easy 15 footer or is it short roll to 10 feet there's a guard digging down off the corner stripping the ball from him and you know he's he's a little clumsy and in a little bit more of a condensed space so i think the more space the celtics can provide for him obviously that means having legit shooters in the corner which is why i think it's going to be really important for a guy like Jalen brown to hold the corner for sam hauser's really good at that but you know i think any shooting that we can have on the court around Porzingis, a Tatum Porzingis pick and roll is going to be huge. Yeah. And I, I think it's a great transition to our next guy. Speaking of shooting, let's go to Peyton Pritchett. Next on the list, Peyton Pritchett. <laughs> Take this one away, Greg. All right. Uh, reality, Peyton Pritchard is an NBA player, right? We, we all know that. He, can, he belongs on a court, but his size is a limiting factor. Um, the ceiling for him, six man of the year candidate who shoots 40 to 45% from three on seven attempts per game. Cause I think if he's getting seven attempts per game, that means he's probably getting 15 to 20 minutes per game, right? And he's just mm-hmm. getting those things up. Um, the X factor skill for Pritchard to me is the ball pressure. So I've, we've seen a lot in the preseason when Pritchard's on the court, the Celtics are going to that two, two, one full court press defense. Here's why I think they're doing it. I think they're doing it because Pritchard can be exposed on the defensive end, but the longer it takes for a team to get the ball up the court, the less time there is to hunt a mismatch on somebody like Pritchard. So I think, I think that's the reasoning for going full court pressure with Pritchard on the court is because the longer it takes for a team to get into their offense, the less time they have to exploit a mismatch. What do you think about that, Will? No, I, I don't really have much to add. I think Peyton Pritchard's been kind of the darling of the preseason, right? Preseason P, as he's, as he's coming to be known. And I, I think you hit all the all, all the kind of check marks that, that Peyton Pritchard's going to have to hit throughout the season to have that meaningful impact. And it will be interesting to see as we get into, you know, the 
deeper parts of the regular season is how Joe, how comfortable Joe Missoula does feel with Peyton Pritchard out there defensively. And for, like you said, if he's going to be that real right now, at least based off the preseason, it feels like this is the most definitive non top six guy is Peyton Pritchard, mm-hmm. right? Like this yeah. is the guy that we expect to be out there. So you know, I think he's going to be heavily involved in these curve balls that we keep bringing up with Joe Missoula because Peyton Pritchard, he's he's pesky, right? He mm-hmm. he likes he he brings a different energy, and that was that was even when Ime was here, that was part of kind of that was part of his curveball was bringing in Peyton Pritchard at times, where it's like I just need a spark plug, I need I need some energy here, I need a guy that you know. It, it certainly feels like he's a guy that never lacks for confidence. Mm-hmm. And so Peyton Pritchard, he always feels like he belongs out there. So that's something that I think is going to be, uh, you know, we'll keep an eye on. And then we'll see how, to your point, how Missoula utilizes him so that Missoula always feels comfortable with him being out there, being there night in and night out. Uh, let's keep going down the bench here. Looks like next up we got Big Nimi. Nimi is Kata is next up on our list here. And I think a lot of the things that it, it's funny. Spee and Hauser, Kata and uh, and Luke, they kind of go hand in hand, right? Because mm-hmm. if Luke doesn't work out for all the reasons that we said, if he, if he works out, he's going to do it for this reason. If it doesn't, it's for that reason. A lot of that can be applied to Kata as well, I think, when we look at kind of his reality, his ceiling, and, and what his X factor is. I think the one thing that I would say that is, for me, at least as we, the, the view that we've seen of him so far in the preseason compared to what we know about Luke, because we had him all the last couple seasons, is that Luke has a very high basketball IQ. Kata can get a little bit foul happy, and it's a little, there's a little bit more chaos into it, which once again, there's the upside to that because it is going to be different. It could change the game if it goes right, but it also has the opportunity to, mm. to be an Achilles heel Will, if you're out there. As, as you're saying that, I didn't expect to spend a lot of time on Kata in the in this conversation, but this reminds yeah. me of back when Brad Stevens refused to p- play Rob and he just played Daniel Tice all those minutes and all Celtics fans were like, please just give Rob a chance. Give him a <laughs> chance. We know you love your safety blanket of Daniel Tice yeah. and the known commodity that is Daniel Tice and what he brings. But there's just so much promise with this Rob Williams guy. Maybe that's going to be the same thing. It's a little bit of that. I, yeah. I think. I think that's. I think that's entirely possible with this because. It, it, I mean, from from a physical standpoint, it, it feels like this is a no brainer, right? When when you watch the two of them play, yeah. But Luke's a guy you know he's going to be in the right position. You know, you know exactly what you're getting when you have Luke Cornett. With Kata, it's going to be a little bit more of a wild card, and you got to feel it out. And the only way to feel it out is when he's actually on the court, and then you got to make a, make a call from there. So I, I think Cornette gets the first shot, but I think a lot of the things that we're, we're saying about Cornette will apply to Kata, and if he gets that chance and finds his way into the rotation, that will be his ceiling. All right, and let's keep it moving with another guy who's fighting for a roster spot, fighting for a rotation spot. Uh, my guy, Lamar Stevens. I'm actually a big Lamar Stevens fan. Yeah, you, um, you and Adam are a lot higher on Lamar Stevens than, than I am. So I want I want to hear what uh what the reality ceiling and X factor is. Well, I mean, he's a guy that earned minutes on a good Cavs team. To and they didn't have a lot of you know he was competing with Dean Wade and people like that. But he you know he 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 earned ding, a ding, spot. Ding. He earned a spot on that Cavs team. Um, he does have the reality. He has an uphill climb for minutes on this team, which is much deeper, especially for the role that he could fill. Um, the advantage that he has though, is that he's unique in what he does off the bench. So he's the one true small ball five option that I think the Celtics have on the bench. Um, he's stout. He's a really good defender, strong as an ox. 
you could I could see him, um, you know, Missoula going to him to go up against a Jimmy Butler, to go up against Giannis. The Cavs threw him at Giannis from time to time. Uh, so the, he's one of those guys that I think with his ceiling, um, he could earn a spot for like going to those curveballs that we talked about. Having Lamar Stevens there, like kind of like how we use Blake Griffin, how we're theoretically mm-hmm. we're going to use Blake Griffin last year, like to guard a Giannis in a playoff um, competition. We didn't get there because they got eliminated by the Heat. But I think Blake would have played minutes if we had gone up against Giannis. I truly believe that. And yeah. I think Stevens is one of those guys that he's he's a different type of defender and he's so stout that I think he needs to be on the roster. And I would be really disappointed if he wasn't on the roster because he is one of those guys that's just a dog. Yeah, I, I, I'll be honest. Like I said, he didn't really stick out to me too much in, in, in the preseason. But I think from his history of, like you said, he got he – got, whether or not you want to ding, obviously the the Cavs went and upgraded, or in their mind tried to make some upgrades at that wing position, and that meant choosing you know Max Struess over guy like over Lamar Stevens mm-hmm. um, as part of that that upgrade. But he did get significant playing time. I think defensively he's going to fit kind of what this team is. I think the offensive side is just a, a really really big question mark for me. Well, he, with he's Lamar more of an Eme guy than a Joe guy. 100%. And that, that's for me where I'm not really sure what to expect with Lamar Stevens. So, uh, like I said, I know you and Adam are really big on what he can potentially bring to the team. So I'm interested to see if it plays out with him being on this team. If he, He's probably one of the biggest question marks that we're talking about throughout this entire preview that may not be on the team by the time this releases or mm. shortly thereafter. But uh, so if would, he is on the team... Real, real quick, yeah. you would choose Brissett and Banton over Stevens, like getting minutes? Right now? Right now, I would, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I just think from, at least between Stevens and Brissett, I'm not going to say sit here and tell you that Brissett has a great upside on offense, but I like his upside on offense more than I like Stevens. Mm-hmm. And I think their gap on on defense and what they're going to be able to bring, except aside from the fact that, like you said, Stevens could potentially be a small ball five. I'm not sure Brissett would be able to do that. Nice. But I think that their gap on defense is going to be a little bit closer. So I would lean Brissett. It's not... I'm not going to sit here and, and die on that hill, but yeah. I would lean Brissett <laughs> over that. And then and then with Banton, he's you know six seven point guard like I, I just I think to have that extra long point guard that can you know give you a few different looks I think with Banton that that makes him stand out a little bit more than both Stevens and Brissett because he can handle the basketball unlike these two guys I'm dying on the the Lamar Stevens Hill <laughs> I'm dying on it okay you're not willing to die for O'Shea Brissett I'm willing to die for Lamar Stevens getting some uh, getting some minutes this year. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope I hope for for you and Adam's sake he's on the team here in a couple of days. <laughs> uh, let's let's go. Let's keep it moving here and let's go to Jason Tatum. This will be we got a couple guys left here that we're going to roll through. Jason Tatum. I mean, the reality is last two seasons top five MVP finisher. Last two seasons first team All NBA. That's a really that's the reality of Jason Tatum is that he is in that category. I obviously went on my whole defense of him uh, last episode. If you want to go back and hear that, we talked about at the beginning. Uh, But that's where Jason Tatum is. He's in that top tier of NBA superstar in the ceiling. There's only one place for him to go, and and that's to be the unquestioned MVP, to be the Finals MVP, to win a trophy. That's that's the only level of the video game left for him to conquer before we start getting into some really rarefied area. Then we're talking about legacy mm-hmm. once he accomplishes those next couple of things. So that's the ceiling for Jason Tatum, which is it's pretty crazy. There's only a handful of guys that you can say their ceiling is MVP of the regular season, MVP of the finals, and then winning a championship. But that's where we're at with Jason Tatum. 
And then when it comes to X Factor, you know, this is this gets back to I think the perception of Jason Tatum because he's he, he just leads in his own way. He's not as demonstrative as some of the other you know players that we're talking about that are in that you know that MVP level category. But I, I think the X factor is kind of his, his leadership, and I don't really know how we're going to be able to judge that. We're going to make a ton of inferences that may or may not be correct throughout the season, but I, but I think it is going to be that leadership because that's part of removing Marcus Smart from this team is that there is no one to lean back and say, well, Marcus has been here since day one that I got here. He's been, you know, with the Celtics for almost a decade. He's kind of our, our leader. I'm going to be our on court. Like, yeah, I'll get you a bucket when we need it, but you're going to have to do more than that with this team now. And so this is going to be take on the personality of the Jays. The Jays are definitively the end all be all for this team. They're the pillars. Like we've talked about for a couple of years, there's no more Marcus smart in the background. That is kind of like, eh, am I a pillar? Can, <laughs> can, I, can I, can I be like, there is none of that anymore. Everyone knows that it's Jason Tatum. It's Jalen Brown. And Jason Tatum is the a one on this team. He's the MVP candidate. So he's going to have to find his own way to lead. We'll make our own inferences, but obviously I, I, I think whatever happens with the Celtics season, we'll know kind of, you know, how effective or ineffective it was. Yeah, for Tatum, unaffected or ineffective? Ineffective. Ineffective. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, X Factor skill for me for Tatum is the big man stuff. Okay. Can can he rebound at a level that makes a guy like Big Waz, who might not tune into every game, be like, oh, wow, Jason Tatum's averaging 11.5 rebounds this year? Like, that's crazy. Let me tune in and pay attention to how effective he is on the, on the rebounding. Um, his weak side rim protection, something we saw a little bit more last year. Rob's gone. Rob's not going to be in that rover spot anymore. If Porzingis is is in drop. You know, Tatum's the next biggest guy on the court with the ability to to guard the rim. Obviously, Derek White, who we'll talk about here in a little bit, can do that as well. But I think Tatum's rim protection, his um, willingness to go in the post and post up on the offensive side of the ball. You know, with Horford coming off the bench seemingly this year, there's going to be a little bit more space for Tatum to get down in the post. And I think Tatum in the post is going to be something the Celtics should go to a little bit, you know, three to four times a game. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think that's the bare minimum of what we should see out of Jason Tatum. So for me, it's all the big man stuff. I would expect ceiling for Tatum is that he literally puts up numbers where if you put like the um, anonymous player A versus player B stats, you're like, oh, is one of those guys Giannis Antetokounmpo because he's averaging 13 rebounds? You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's the ceiling that I see out of Jason Tatum. Obviously, the MVP stuff that you talked about, but this, this kid is amazing. He's absolutely amazing. Um, I would love for you know with what we've seen out of Wemby we know that that team is going to be really difficult in the next four years so we have a four-year window here before Wemby <laughs> starts racking up all the championships here in Texas so um for Tatum I would love to see him get his first championship this year obviously yeah I mean Tatum Celtics both the goals both the ceilings of what it is for the season they're they're directly linked together so We'll see how that plays out. Let's let's go to the rookie here, and, and I don't really have much. I'll be honest on on Jordan Walsh here. I he didn't really get enough of a look. I think he's going to spend a lot of time in in Maine. Is kind of that's is kind reality, of my prediction. Yeah. So I, I think that's the reality ceiling is that he performs so well in Maine that you know he he gets a few you know a, a few looks here and there. Mid it's not going to be at the beginning of the season, but <laughs> Bro, midway through. Let the me season. tell you what Jordan Walsh's ceiling is. Okay, Jordan go Walsh's ceiling is to get Celtics junkies to drool over G League tape and drool over garbage time 
minutes. That's it. The <laughs> yeah. team is too deep for Jordan Walsh to earn a spot this year. He's 19 years old. He's a kid. He's not going to earn a spot on this team. It's way too deep. There's too many options above him. I love yeah. him. I think he has a lot of potential. He's going to be in the G League. Yeah, I think I think I think that's perfectly said. I don't think we need to add any more to that. That's going to be Jordan Walsh's fate this season. So for you sickos that love digging into to main Red Claws or now the main Celtics tape. Have fun and let us know how he's doing. We'll check back in with you guys. <laughs> uh, let's go to the last guy here before we wrap up our preview pod. And we have my guy, your guy, our guy, Derek White. Reality, Derek White, he's he's got a lot more responsibility this season. Even though, even with bringing in Drew Holiday, there is a lot more responsibility for Derek White. The reality is, is that he's a Swiss Army knife that can do a little bit of everything and seems happy to pick and choose when certain when he needs to be more defensive minded when he needs to handle the ball when he needs to sometimes score if he knows that he's feeling it we've seen a couple nights where he's dropped 30 points or nights where he's taken those shots off the dribble i remember last year when he first started taking shots off the dribble it's like where who's this guy mm-hmm. where, where where did he come from here that he's snaking around a pick and then stepping back for three and you know if he's feeling it he can have those type of nights the ceiling for Derek white hey, let me ask you do you think there's a s- small, sneaky all-star appearance yeah. chance for Derek White? Yeah, that's what I have as my ceiling for him. And it wouldn't be because he's averaging 20 points a game, right? That's not going right. to be why he gets into the all-star game. It's because there's going to be podcasters like us. There's going to be pundits like J.J. Redick, who went on his his rant the other day about Derek mm-hmm. White not being in the top 100 of the ESPN rankings. Which like, is crazy. Yeah, but- like, can Derek White be the... Um, premier star in his role to the point that the, you know it, it would go hand in hand with the Celtics having the best record in the league by a wide margin. I think that's the only way he gets that All Star nod. Um, you know, but the ceiling for him is that those shooting numbers were not a fluke last year. Uh, the Celtics bet big on Derek White. They traded Marcus Smart in favor mm-hmm. of Derek White. That's the reality right there. And then it just happened. Drew Holiday fell into our lap. So we're like, we're not going to say no to Drew Holiday. So it's not quite as much pressure on Derek White. But I think there's a real opportunity for him to be an all-star. But it has to go hand-in-hand with team success. Yeah, and I think that brings us to our final point here. And we'll wrap up Celtics as a team. The reality, a lot of expectations. I mean, in I don't know if they're still in Vegas, the the favorite or if they're co-favorites with the Nuggets and Bucks, but it's basically those three teams. If any team that's not those three wins the championship, it's a surprise because those three teams seem to be the odds on favorites. So the reality is that the Celtics are 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 one of the favorites to win the title. The ceiling? Well, banner 18. Bring it home. That's that's the ceiling of what, and it's also what changes the the course of the the next couple of years for the Celtics. Like I like I'm gonna say all year long, Wick can say the right things that it's a five six year window. We just know that's not true. That's not how the NBA works. It's what Wick should be saying to be clear. Yeah. He shouldn't say it's a two year window like I am. But we know that it's gonna be this two year window. And if the Celtics do not win a championship this year. There's a lot of pressure to win one next year. And if they don't do it, then what this team is going to look like when we're going through and doing a preview in, you know, year, what is it, 2025, 26, it is going to look a lot different. That's just the honest truth of what's going to happen if this team does not win a championship in the next two years. So the ceiling, bring home banner 18. And for me, the X factors is going to be health, right? Can mm-hmm. we get to the postseason and have our six guys that we know are, are going to be the ones that we ride or die with and then have just like two guys, like whether it's Peyton Pritchard and Hauser or Pritchard and somebody else that we know that we can, that, that we, we can put out there and not have to feel like 
we're uh, we're taking away from from our team being other. And they can get spot minutes. They can get those uh, be elite some minutes that will help you get to the championship and make sure that your top six is good to go. So that's my reality ceiling X factor for the Celtics. Anything to add to that, Greg? No, nah, man, you, you hit the nail on the head. I just have one more question for you. So I said I'm willing to die on the Lamar Stevens Hill. Give me one hill you're willing to die on about the Celtics this year. One hill that I'm willing to die on for the Celtics this season. I'll die on the – I'm, I'm going to go against your brother here. I'm going to die on the Sam Hauser as a rotation guy. Okay. I think Sam Hauser is 100% a rotation guy. If we start to get this – and I actually think Svee's look pretty good in the in the preseason – but I want all of those minutes going to Sam Hauser. I do not want to see a Svee Mackay look out there. I want my guy Shotgun Sam locked and loaded all season long. I love it. I love it. And with that, we're going to play you out with some music from my band down here in Austin, Texas. Make sure you're smashing that follow, subscribe button uh, for Black Sheep and for Green with Envy. You can follow us on all social media at green envy pod subscribe to our youtube channel uh for everybody listening on the podcast thank you for everyone tuning in on youtube make sure you are tuning in for some post game lives that we're going to be doing that might be with will that might be with me and will if it's on the weekends and adam can make it he'll be there too we're hoping to be more interactive with the comments um so anything that you guys can do to help increase awareness of our show come into the season we really appreciate it and with that here's black sheep optimist get this high Peace, everybody. Peace. Every time I get this high, I lose my mind. It don't take much no more. Until I hit the floor. Every time I get this high, it's you I find. It don't take much no more. Until I'm at your door. You come into my core, baby. What can I say? You got me on the floor, you know I came to play. I know I shouldn't, but you seem to take my pain away. And every time I score, Jason Tatum fade away. I close my eyes and I'm floating your river. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not ready hour foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com